The material in this podcast is for information purposes only. It does not represent the opinions of Vested Finance and is not intended to be investment advice. We recommend you to consult with a financial advisor before committing to any financial decisions. Hi everyone, I'm Kai Han, co-host of the Vested Finance podcast. Welcome to episode number 21. Joining us is Darwin, co-founder of Vested Finance. As always, glad to be here, Kai. What will we be talking about today? Today, we'll be talking about the trend of digitizing expensive and difficult transactions in the form of buying houses. Now, for the average US consumer, likely the largest purchase that he or she will ever make is the purchase of a home. But as we know, given that buying a home is such a large ticket purchase, these transactions are quite infrequent. Basically, the average US consumer buys a new home, what, once every eight years or so? As a result of this low frequency, coupled with the large ticket price, there ends up being lots and lots of friction in these transactions. Yes, as you can imagine, the US housing market is massive. It's $36.2 trillion in market size as of 2020. And each year, about $1.5 trillion of housing value changes hands between buyers and sellers. And for 2021, that's projected to increase by about 20% or so. Now, despite the massive market size, the transaction process of buying and selling homes is actually still very much low-tech. Imagine the following scenario. You own your own home, and you're looking to buy a new place, right? The new house costs, let's say, $400,000. Typically, you need to put about 20% of the purchase price up front and finance the rest with the mortgage, long-term loan, right? Now, not a lot of people have 20% to put down as down payment, which in this example translates to about $80,000. To afford this down payment, typically, you would need to either have the cash saved up or sell your existing home. In other words, to buy a new place, you have to first sell your current place. This is called freeing up your equity. So you put your current house on the market, hoping that the timing of the sale matches the timing of the purchase of the new house. In the meantime, you are doing house tours, you're house hunting, you see what's available in the market. And similarly, prospective buyers are coming to your house. Now, once you find a house that you like, you put down an offer and hope that it gets accepted by the seller. Once the offer is accepted, you get into an agreement with the seller to purchase the house. You then hire external agencies to inspect the home to make sure that it's in good condition. You need to finalize your paperwork for your loan and also the transactions around the house, the title, making sure everything is in order, right? And then the same must also be done with the house you're selling. So as you can imagine, the process can be quite long. On average, in the U.S., it takes more than two months to complete a typical house transaction, either a buy or a sell. And these transactions can fail due to factors beyond your control. What if your loan is not approved? What if the sale of your current home fails, preventing you from buying your new home? What if after selling your existing home, you cannot find a suitable replacement? Yeah, I'd imagine that the process can be pretty stressful. On top of that, consumers rarely engage in these transactions. I mean, once every eight years or so, more often than not, they'd have to hire real estate agents to help them navigate through the process. Right. These real estate agents typically charge 6% of the home value split between the buyers and the seller's agents. And this fee is typically paid by the seller, which amounts to more than $75 billion in transactional commissions annually. You know, Jeff Bezos once famously said, your margin is my opportunity. I think this might be applicable in this case. There are companies that are trying to remove these inefficiencies using technology and absorb the fees as their own. Right. There are companies that are trying to make the house buying and selling process as easy as a typical e-commerce transaction. 
They want to reduce the uncertainty and speed up the process. So this is called iBuying or instant buying. The way they do this is by being the intermediary that buys your home when you're trying to sell and sell homes from their own inventory when you're trying to buy. This way, you don't have to wait until your existing home is sold before you can buy a new house. When the iBuyers buy your home from you, you get cash right away. When you buy your new house from the iBuyers, you can choose to use their financing options. And as a result, you can complete the transaction much faster. You get certainty that the transaction will be completed. You can even choose your own move out and move in dates. And for all these added convenience, the iBuyers typically charge higher fees than an average house transaction. About 2 to 3% the value of the house on average on top of the typical brokerage and agent fees. So this approach, although more convenient, is actually more expensive. Well, I suppose that will make things more straightforward. At the moment, there are three public companies that operate in this space. Zillow, Redfin, and Opendoor. For Zillow, they basically started off as a housing search tool that generated revenue from ads, basically from real estate agents' listings. It started its iBuying business in 2018. Now, leveraging its vast data of housing prices, Zillow started a service called Zillow Offers that buys houses, fixes them up, and resells them, earning a fee for providing a simple and fast transaction. Then we have Redfin. They started as a real estate broker firm that charges lower fees than traditional real estate. Its iBuying program is called Redfin Now and basically operates similar to Zillow's. And finally, we have Opendoor. Unlike the previous two, Opendoor started as an iBuying company from the get-go. It merged with Chamath Spec late last year and is now public. Yes, and of these companies, Opendoor and Zillow are the two largest iBuyers in the market, accounting for about 86% of the iBuying segment. Opendoor has more than 60% of the market, while Zillow has less than 20%. That said, though, iBuying is still in the very early days, contributing only less than 1% of home transactions overall. All right, let's talk about how these iBuyers make money. You mentioned additional transaction fees. These companies actually generate revenue from two sources. As I mentioned, they charge a percentage fee to the home sellers, typically 6 to 10%, which is higher than the typical real estate agent fee of 6%. And then if the house in their inventory appreciates when the house is resold, the iBuyers generate additional revenue. Make no mistake though, this is tough business. iBuying is a low margin business. Companies that operate in this segment requires very large capital, right? Because they need to raise billions of dollars to purchase and refurbish homes. They have to master complex operations because they need to be able to expand their operational capabilities to different cities to maintain and repair homes. They also assume market risk since they hold inventory of houses. If the housing market takes a turn, their inventory would lose value. Okay, let's move on and talk specifically about the two largest players in this space, Opendoor and Zillow. You know, it's funny. Zillow is the older company. It's been around since 2008, while Opendoor is the newer company. It was started in 2014 and went public just last year. But Opendoor has been doing iBuying much longer since it started with this model, while Zillow, on the other hand, they just made the pivot two years ago. The pivot from a pure ads business to the iBuying model, investors did not like the move. Zillow's original business model was largely high-margin advertisement. It gives leads of folks looking to buy or sell homes and connects them to real estate agents. Investors didn't like the move because it is riskier than its core advertising model. So after the announcement, the share price of Zillow was actually depressed for much of 2018. 
realizing that the company needed to reshape its narrative and communicate better why the shift was important. In February 2019, they brought back Rich Barton to be the CEO. Some of you may not know Rich Barton, but he's a serial entrepreneur. He was the original CEO of Zillow. He left in 2010 to become the executive chairman. But Barton has a long history of founding companies, and some of them are public, right? He founded Expedia, and he also co-founded Glassdoor. So as the original founder of Zillow and as a serial entrepreneur, he was able to give investors some comfort. But it's only until recently that investors are buying the narrative of Zillow's transition to iBuying. Now, Zillow has three key business segments. The first being IMT, basically internet, media, and technology, which sells advertising and software products and has the highest operating margins. Now, this is Zillow's original business. It's the most profitable segment, contributing 55% of revenue in 2020. And in Q4, they grew 33% year over year. The second is homes, which is the buying and selling of houses, and that would be the core eye buying segment, which made $1.7 billion in 2020, or basically 40% of the total revenue. Now, this segment still has negative margins, however. Then you have the mortgages segment, which is the financing arm, and that complements iBuying. It started around the same time as the home segment and basically complements the purchasing experience by offering home loans to customers. So if you think about it, if you're looking to buy and sell your house on Zillow, you're more likely to use their closing and mortgage services. Now, this segment finally became profitable in the second half of 2020. Even though it's currently the smallest segment for Zillow, only contributing to 4% of the revenue, it will be critical in boosting profitability for the iBuying model for Zillow. Right, which begs the question, why did Zillow transition to iBuying? It's hard, it's not profitable, it's risky, and it requires a lot of capital. Well, the answer is because companies operating in the iBuying model pose an existential risk for Zillow. Zillow's advertising model is predicated by the fact that it acquires high organic traffic from users who want to buy or sell their home. So very high intent potential customers, right? Zillow initially captures this internet traffic by providing home price estimates. It's called Z-estimates, enabling anyone to estimate the value of their home. It has become uh, a very popular thing, a favorite pastime for anyone looking to move to go to Zillow and look up prices of houses in different cities. I can see why Open Door poses a risk to them. If companies such as Open Door are successful in becoming an intermediary in the home buying process, on one hand, the sellers, they're attracted to the convenience and speed of home selling on Open Door, will first post their homes for sale there. On the other hand, the buyers, attracted by the large inventory of homes for sale, will organically begin their home search there as well. Right. This dynamic is typical of any two-sided marketplace. Abundant supply will attract demand. Imagine... Airbnb, right? Airbnb must have an abundant and diverse supply of apartment or homes to rent, which in turn attracts a lot of traffic from demand. So it's a similar dynamic in play here. Having captured a high enough demand, conceivably, Open Door can introduce financing products and advertising, which have higher margins than the core iBuying. As a result, Open Door can supplant Zillow as the go-to website when thinking about home transactions. While Open Door would start with home inventories, they can bolt on other high-margin businesses such as ads and financing. So to prevent this from happening, Zillow decided to transform itself into an iBuyer to maintain pole position as the go-to destination for real estate search. Let's talk about how these companies are doing in terms of unit profitability. 
When you compare the iBuying segment of Zillow versus Opendoor, you can see that Opendoor's per house profitability is better than Zillow's, who, despite being the older company, is much newer in the iBuying space than Opendoor. Correct. In the beginning of the pandemic, Q1 and Q2 2020, both companies halted acquisitions of new homes. But resume in the second half of the year, backed by market tailwind, and this growth in housing transactions is expected to continue in 2021. As I mentioned before, the number of home sales is projected to go up another 21% in 2021 as more people in the U.S. are looking to move. In Q4 2020, Zillow was even able to achieve unit profitability on a per house basis. Opendoor has not announced its Q4 earnings yet, so we don't have that number to compare to, but its unit profitability was about 5% for each home it sold in Q3 2020, compared to Zillow's negative 2.4%. As you can imagine, the more houses you transact, the more efficient the business can be. And even if the numbers are small on a percentage basis, the overall value is actually quite high because the high price nature of homes. Well, it looks like it's a race between the two companies. The question is, can Opendoor become Zillow faster than Zillow can become Opendoor? Both of these companies want to make buying and selling homes as easy as completing an e-commerce transaction. And both are distinctly aware that the price is a slice of the US $36 trillion market. Yes, it's a race to become the go-to website where customers start their housing transaction. Compared to Opendoor, Zillow has a couple of advantages. Over the long term, despite the negative margins, Zillow can continue to operate its iBuying business. And this is because the company has a profitable ads business that generates strong cash flow. In fact, anyone who decides to buy and sell on the iBuying segment, but then decides to purchase a home that is not owned by Zillow, in, in essence, churn, can easily be funneled to the other real estate agents who have ads on the platform, giving Zillow the opportunity to convert these high-intent leads into revenue. So it creates this flywheel effect. Currently, Opendoor does not have this advantage. And the second advantage that Zillow has is it's already a household name with more than 200 million average monthly users visiting its website. Thanks for that info, Darwin. It's going to be interesting to see how the competition between these two companies pans out in the near future. Thanks, Kai. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who wins at the end. And I guess my personal opinion is it's unlikely that this is a winner-take-all market. The market is so big. So you may have two or three players that ends up dominating the, the space. As always, pleasure speaking with you. Until next week. To our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. For more insights into markets and emerging technologies, please visit our blog at vested.co.in. As always, take care and stay safe.